0: And welcome to Linux Action News, our weekly take on Linux and the open-source world. This is episode 86, recorded on December 21st, 2018. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. Hello, Joe. It is finally here. Our annual predictions, and for the first time ever, look back at our former predictions, which... uh, I think we should just skip right over and not even talk about at all.
1: Well, I've left the Bitcoin stuff till the end, so uh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, then I think I can get through some of this. Maybe we should start with uh,
1: your first quote-unquote prediction, which um, I don't think really came true. No, and listening back to this today, we were both dead certain that this was going to happen, and this was that Ubuntu Unity 7 would become an official flavor. And we, we just thought, oh, that's a dead cert. That's just a really easy one. But that hasn't really happened, has it? We've seen a few images. We've seen some work towards it. But there just doesn't seem to be enough momentum there to get even a project going properly, never mind an official flavor. And we both agreed that by 1810, it would be. But apparently, people are happy enough with Gnome.
0: Yeah, I, I actually thought you were... Um... Cheating a little bit with this one, like that was such a gimme. Of course, that's gonna happen. I think in part because we were hearing from canonical employees that were trying to make that a thing, so it seemed natural that that would pan out. But I think the other thing that happened was they nailed the gnome implementation. Like it's good. It's it's a and by eighteen ten, it's really good. And nineteen oh four, by all accounts, is looking really great. So, I I think that was part of that whole Unity 7 will survive was some incorrect assumption that the Gnome Shell implementation
1: would be trash. just didn't pan out, and so the need just wasn't really there. Yeah, and of course, in Mate, you can make a fairly good approximation of Unity 7, and you can do it in Plasma as well. So if people were really wedded to that workflow, there are ways to get more or less that workflow with other desktops, and maybe people were just willing to do that or much more likely as you say just the gnome implementation in ubuntu was good enough
0: i missed the mark though on my prediction i thought we'd have a massive botnet story a a a a, just a a a cyber attack type story that was facilitated by a bunch of insecure linux-powered unfortunately iot devices I thought it would at least be the largest area of attacks over 2018, um, mostly due to bad defaults. And in some ways, that did pan out. We saw routers really get abused this year. But the smart plugs, uh, the the toasters, we we haven't really had that
1: doomsday story that I thought we would have. So I'm going to mark that one as a miss. Well, you did also say Linux servers and uh, you were kind of half right in that we've had a lot of crypto miner attacks on Linux servers. So you were kind of almost right, but I think that's a bit of a stretch. So, yeah, I think we're kind of uh, both a bust on those two there.
0: <laughs> well, okay. All right, how about your next one? I think you had a Microsoft prediction, of, uh I recall.
1: Yeah, I said that Microsoft Linux, maybe called Azure Linux, Uh, would come out and it would be their own cloud distro uh, with tight Windows desktop integration and that basically that Microsoft would have a Linux distro. And I think I was more or less right. I wasn't quite right in the details, but they did put out a Linux distro, didn't they?
0: Yeah. I mean, Azure Sphere OS is Linux-powered and it's a cloud-connected Linux OS running on devices being sold by Microsoft this year. I mean, I think that counts, Joe. I think you get a win on that one. It's a close call because I don't think it was exactly what you had in mind, but I think you win on a technicality.
1: No, I think it was a bit more than a technicality, but either way, yeah, I'm claiming that as a win.
0: I'm happy to report that my next one was also mostly a miss. Um, in some ways, what I was what I was watching was a storm brewing. Winter was coming to the open source community. And I didn't expect the best from us. But I think overall, mostly things turned out okay. I I thought we'd see a huge gap between the idealist and the pragmatist. And I thought we'd see that really widen as you had people that were in that DevOps category or sys- sysadmin category or web dev or whoever it is that is buying Sputnik laptops and buying these different machines and installing Linux on them and, and replicating production and and development on their laptops. You know, that-, that stereotypical person now that's driving the adoption of Linux. My big fear was that there would be become sort of a battle between those that were involved in Linux for the freedom aspects and those that were involved in Linux for the work aspects. And I thought as the people that were just using it as a work tool grew, that gap would become more and more polarized. And that really didn't seem to happen. We do definitely see more and more pragmatists using Linux as just a day-to-day work tool. And we see more and more different implementations of Linux across commercial operating systems like Windows and Chrome. But thankfully, there hasn't been that big community battle playing out in all of the different aspects of online communication. Yeah, it's there. It's always been there. But it didn't turn into the all full-fledged holy war that I was
1: expecting. I think the reason for that is that all the pragmatic stuff is additions to Linux. If you look at, for example, the NVIDIA driver, you don't have to install that. I have got a a PC that's running the Nouveau driver, for example, and I don't need to do any 3D stuff with it, and the card works perfectly well with Nouveau, and so it's running almost all free software. And so those pragmatists who have definitely grown in number, we've seen that this year, definitely. We've seen a, a big rise in that pragmatism. Take Fedora, for example, making it easy to install those proprietary drivers and we've seen more and more people coming to Linux using it for things like gaming with Steam. Sure, and I
0: would argue the uh, accelerated use of snaps, flat packs, and app images is also a bit of the
1: pragmatist taking over. Yeah, definitely. And so you were kind of half right there. We have definitely seen more pragmatism and more pragmatists coming to the Linux world. But I think the people who are running Triscoll or Debian with no proprietary stuff they don't really care because that stuff still exists for them and they just don't have these proprietary editions on top of it. Yeah, fair
0: enough. Their their territory didn't go away. It's just, like you said, all been in addition. There's been We've just made room for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think that it's ultimately better. I think that the free stuff does benefit from the pragmatists coming along because it's no good having the NVIDIA driver be really, really great if the rest of Wayland and whatever doesn't work very well. And so that kind of feeds into the free software development, makes that better, and then the purists and the the free software people benefit as a result. So maybe that's also why there's not been this big backlash.
0: Well, before we own up on the Bitcoin stuff,
1: do you wanna lay down a few 2019 predictions? Okay, my first one. Now, you have to bear in mind that people have been saying this for many years now. And I've been saying, no, it's not gonna happen. And it hasn't happened so far, but I'm convinced that this year it will happen. And that is that Microsoft will buy at least a significant percentage share in Canonical. Hmm. It just seems inevitable to me that I don't think they will kind of buy them outright. And we might not even hear about it because it is a private company, but I think they'd struggle to keep it quiet and Shotworth said he was looking for investors before the IPO, and so I think that Microsoft is gonna pony up and put some money into Canonical this year, a significant amount of money.
0: So if you've been saying this isn't gonna happen for years now, what is it about now that's changed your mind? Is it the IBM Red Hat sale?
1: I think that has definitely played into it, and of course, SUSE was acquired, this year,
0: <laughs> Yeah, and last year and the year before.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it goes to show there is a, a market for these companies. And I think really what has changed my mind here is that Shotworth has cleaned house over the last sort of 18 months and made Ubuntu and Canonical a profitable, leaner operation that is growing and making some money and innovating and is actually quite an attractive proposition now for someone to buy. Whereas before... They had the phone stuff that was going nowhere in Unity 8. Whereas now, it's much more streamlined, and it just seems much more valuable.
0: Yeah, and with the Red Hat acquisition from IBM, there's less opportunity for Microsoft, and so they need to strike while there's still opportunity. And we know that this year, Azure crossed the 60% line for Linux, that's a massive number for Microsoft, and they seem to be willing to do whatever it takes to keep more people getting into Azure. I, I gotta, I gotta imagine they're looking at this at least. Maybe, that, maybe it won't happen, but I think that's a pretty solid prediction. And I like that. I like the hedge that you've made this year, and that is, it's at least a percentage, which you know, because this is gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be right if they just you know, invest, and you're going to be right if they buy them. So that's a safe one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I said a significant percentage. You know, I'm not talking 5% here. I'm talking at least 20, 25.
0: All right. Well, I've got one that I feel like is going to be a pain point for Linux users this year, especially for those in the iOS ecosystem that have an iPhone or an iPad and have a Linux box. I'm pretty positive that Apple will indeed launch a video streaming service, original content much like Netflix does, uh, that's not going to work with Linux at all. And Linux users will be completely left out as if it was 1997 all over again. And the richest company, or at least the richest tech company in the world, continues to underdeliver for us Linux users.
1: You have got some front, my friend, to say this. This is so obviously going to happen that I couldn't possibly have put it In, Apple are definitely going to launch a video streaming service. No,
0: I think people listening to this show will be like, what, a a Netflix competing streaming service? These guys are crazy. I don't think it's a
1: foregone conclusion. Not until Uncle Tim's up on stage, Joe. (laughs) Come on. We've read how many stories this year that they're working on it and how they're not going to have any swearing or nudity and it's going to struggle to compete.
0: (laughs) It's already struggling to compete before it's launched. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And the idea that this would possibly be available on Linux, I mean, well, okay, maybe via the browser, but you would imagine, I mean, you can't even watch the Apple launches on Linux, can you, in the browser? So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. This, this to me, is the the easiest definite prediction that I've ever heard. Easier than yours, huh? Hmm. Well, the, the Microsoft buying Canonical, that, could definitely not I mean Shuttleworth has said that he's looking to IPO the official line is that yeah. they're not selling and so no way this is definitely happening I
0: wouldn't completely count Apple out see if you look at you look at the divisions of Apple they have uh, Apple music for Android they just launched Apple music for Alexa cancel 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 <laughs> stop thank you <laughs> so you know like they they maybe it there is it it is. It within the realm of possibility, but also within the realm of possibility is they never launch a streaming service. That's what I love about this prediction: is it's it's got a, it's a full spectrum possibility here.
1: Yeah, they could in theory just make content and sell it on iTunes on demand that way without a proper streaming service. But no, they they're definitely going to do it, and it's, it's probably not going to work at least very well on Linux. The only thing I think crazier than
0: my prediction would be like some sort of prediction that like Linux gaming is going to take off
1: or something. <laughs> well, that's my next prediction. And that is that Steam Linux market share will crack 5%. It's under 1% right now.
0: Yeah, it's 0.8. 0.8. You think you're going to go to 5% in one year? Yep. <laughs> that's, you're giving me a hard time. <laughs> I mean, I just don't even see it. What's the Mac at? What is What is the Mac OS uh, market share right now for Steam OS? Is it even uh, above 10%? This is a bold prediction, Joe. Do you think Proton is going to be what fuels this um, meteoric rise in
1: uh, Linux gaming? Well, that's certainly part of it. But the bigger part of it is not that there's going to be loads more people running Steam on Linux. It's going to be fewer people running Steam on Windows because of the competition that is brewing. And that is Epic and their games store and also Discord and their game store, which are looking to undercut Steam. And so you're going to have a lot more titles going over there, potentially exclusives. And I think that Steam is going to lose its crown as the premium gaming platform. I think you're going to have a much more distributed three-way race And as a result, you're going to lose the Windows users from Steam. And you'll also get more Linux users on Steam. And I think that's going to settle out to be about 5%. Hmm, that's bold. I mean, uh,
0: right now I'm picturing a future where uh, I'm sitting on my partially Microsoft-owned Ubuntu desktop watching my Apple streaming video while I download a Steam game where I'm nearly one of the uh, 5%ers on the platform. It seems... Nearly crazy, but not any crazier than my next prediction. And I I, I want to make sure I'm very clear about this. I don't think this is going to be a final product. This may be only beta or uh, even maybe pre-release. I don't know what they're going to call it. But I believe this year, in some form or another, maybe preview, maybe beta, Microsoft will launch Office as an Electron app. Uh, maybe just to like Office 365 subscribers, maybe it's only a small preview or a beta. But, but my thought process has, has really been, over 2018, looking at what Microsoft has done. When they acquired GitHub, they also acquired Electron. When they announced the transition from Edge HTML to Chromium, they also announced making Windows a really, really first-class Electron platform and they own Electron, and they can make contributions to Chromium, they have the potential to build something really significant. And if you look at some of their more recent products, like the new version of Skype and other things, VS Code, etc., they're Electron-based. I think we could see a truly cross-platform Office 365 desktop-style application Something along this line, maybe it's just Word, but it's an Office-style application that is released as an Electron app by Microsoft, maybe
1: it's preview in 2019. I can't disagree with any of that. That seems very likely to me. I think that we'll even get to a point where we've got a snap of it as well. Mm. I think it'll run across basically all Linux distributions, or at least most of them. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I thought, yeah. Yeah. I'm fully on board with that prediction. I can totally see that happening.
0: You you can kind of look back at some of their recent moves over 2018 and see them lining up behind Electron and having a couple of conversations with a couple of different developers down there. I've I've been told about a couple of different in-house projects that are Electron based that were like, "What? What? You've got to be kidding me! You guys are working with Electron on that?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, we're doing these things." And I I don't want to say who or what. I know that's very vague, but. Um, it sort of changed my perspective on what Microsoft would be willing to ship. And when we look at like Skype and VS Code, I think we see those things individually, and we don't really take into account that they're they're essentially Electron applications. Um, and we don't appreciate how sometimes companies can test the waters and trial balloon things with some products before they move their most treasured product. To a new platform. And I, I suspect, based on the conversations I've had, that that's what Microsoft's been doing for the last couple of years. And this, this final drop of Internet Explorer and Edge, which is a 20 year legacy, and a move over to Chromium is such a significant change that the only thing that would make them truly willing to drop that 20 year heritage and make it a new shift like that would be to serve a bigger goal long term like making Windows one of the best platforms to run desktop Electron applications, which to us probably sounds horrible, but to the business world is absolutely necessary.
1: Yeah, and just because they'll be the best experience on Windows doesn't mean that they won't work on the other platforms. Yeah. So we should hopefully benefit. I hope so. Well, if, if running Office can be considered a benefit. Yeah, and
0: Electron applications.
1: <laughs> uh, at least we have them. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, you can't filibuster this anymore. We have to get into Bitcoin. <sighs> all right, all right. So we had um, our predicted highs, lows, and the price on the 1st of December 2018. It's worth mentioning that when we recorded this, it was before the crash, basically. It was We recorded a, a bit earlier than we are this time, didn't we? And um, it was riding high. It was nearly at 20000 and so we got a bit carried away. It's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't even be a topic of discussion this year. It's not, you know, like the hype on Bitcoin is just totally dead now. (laughs) Back at the end of last year, though, it was what everybody was talking about.
1: Yeah. So for the highs, I said 120,000 and you said 100,000. And I was close because it was actually 117,000. Oh, no, no, 17,000 was the actual high. And that was on (laughs) January 6th. So it's just been (laughs) downhill ever since. So um, yeah, we were kind of a little bit off there. Yeah, it was supposed to be over a hundred
0: thousand for either one of us. You went a little higher. I went a hundred thousand. You went one twenty. But as we record mm. right now, it's thirty eight hundred. Three thousand eight hundred. That's so bad.
1: Yeah. Well, that the price on December the first, um, I had said it would be a hundred thousand. You said it'd be one hundred and seven thousand, which was higher than you thought yeah, the high. Would I know. Be, I, which, I know. Yeah, I think you got a bit of a rush of blood to the head there, um, and yeah, the actual price was about four thousand, so we were just slightly off there. See, this is this is what happens. See, Joe, you made me do a
0: prediction, and this is what happens. I blame you for all of this. Not only my wrong prediction, but for the crash itself is actually your fault, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yep. So the lows, uh, we were kind of a little bit off there as well. Oh, weird. We? I said 15,000, and you said 10,000.
0: Yeah. I wish it hadn't gone below 10,000, to be honest with you. And then when it got to 5,000, I thought that'd be the floor. And then when it got to 4,000, I thought that'd be the floor. Um I, part of part of what's always factored into where I try to guess where Bitcoin is going is the fact that there is a limited quantity. There's like 21 million or so that'll ever be created, and you figure a lot of people are losing them, a lot of people are hoarding them. So you you either have a situation where over time. Bitcoin will get more valuable, or it'll completely be worthless. And it'll be, you know, just, I mean, maybe a couple of bucks at best. And I just, you just don't know which way it's going to go. But at this point in time, towards the end of 2018, the general narrative is that the crypto market has burst, and that things are struggling, and that it's the end of Bitcoin. If that's true or not, time will tell. Yeah, obviously, you just have no way of knowing, right? In a year, it could be completely different.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's all talk of now is a great time to get into gaming because the graphics cards are cheap again, because no one really wants them for mining the the altcoins. Um, but yeah, so the the actual low was three thousand two hundred ish, and that was in mid December. Wow. That's as we record. It may well be by the time this goes out that it's slower than that. So, although it does seem to have bounced back a bit, but yeah. there's just no way to know, is there? No, no.
0: And, and you know, anything could really influence from a scam, a uh, exchange going down, or an economy collapsing somewhere. All these things play into the Bitcoin price. It's a worldwide internet currency. And so things all around the world impacted. Unlike, you know, regional currencies, where at least you could say here the dollar in the States is impacted mostly by things that are happening with dollar or with the oil price. But that's pretty much it. Um, but with Bitcoin, it could be politics in China that are influencing the prices here in the states. It's just a totally new phenomenon.
1: Yeah. All right, well, we have to do predictions, but pff, there's just t- take these with a pinch of salt because Oh no. Who knows?
0: Oh no, you're making me do this again. Oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, what's your prediction for the high in
0: 2019?
1: Hmm, $12,000. Interesting. So you think it is going to go back up significantly? My high six thousand. Really? Yep.
0: Hmm. I I wouldn't be surprised if it stabilizes around ten. Maybe I could also see it completely collapsing though. To be honest
1: with you, in even just a few months, I could see that happening. So it's a tough call, really. <laughs> well, that's why I think the low is going to be nine hundred.
0: All right. Okay. All right. Hmm. All right. So I'd say three hundred dollars for my low.
1: Right. So you think it's gonna be a
0: huge range then? That is a massacre if that happens though. That's an absolute massacre if that happens.
1: Yeah. I can't help but feel if it goes as low as three hundred. Although actually if it goes below a thousand, then surely the bottom will just fall out of it and it'll just go to nothing and it'll just be proved to be the Ponzi scheme that everyone said it was.
0: Or would everybody start buying like crazy? Mm. Because now it's now it's below a thousand dollars. So buy up like crazy because there's only ever gonna be twenty one million. You know, you just yeah. the people just you never know how they're going to react to that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. All right, well, December 1st, then, where do you think it's going to be? I'm going to say $9,200. Right. That's pretty high. I think it's going to be 2000
0: Yeah. I feel like I, I went too high, but I felt like... I feel like I, uh, it's either... It's either going to be high or it's going to be completely low. And if it's going to be high, it's probably going
1: to be higher than what I what I what I predicted.
0: So I don't think I like my number either way.
1: <laughs> well, my numbers. Let, let me justify my numbers All right. to you. Okay. I think that what we're going to see is a bit of a rally now up to six thousand over the next month or so.
0: I can feel that coming. Yeah.
1: But then I think we're going to see a crash down to nine hundred. And then I think it's going to struggle and it'll sort of inch its way up slowly, slowly, slowly. And then by the end of the year, be around 2000.
0: Yeah. The only way my predictions work out is if it finds a new floor and then it just very slowly builds its way up towards 10,000. And I think if that doesn't happen, if that stability doesn't happen, then Bitcoin's pretty much screwed as anything but just a transfer mechanism. You know what I mean? Like you can't use it as a currency if it's moving this much. It By this point in its life cycle, it needs to start stabilizing out. And that might be what we're seeing because it has been, you know, hanging out in the 3000 price range now for a while. Um, and it it could slowly build up to 10000 and just take the whole year to get there. And I think that would actually be a healthy signal for Bitcoin, that it's slowing down. Um, but I think it's the least likely. I think you're probably going to win that one.
1: Watch it end up being two hundred thousand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if it is, we'll own up to it. I mean, now now we got to admit it. <laughs> We're on the record. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. This this year couldn't have gone any worse. So uh, let's see. Check out linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get future episodes, including our regular
1: weekly updates as well as our special episodes. And go to linuxactionnews.com slash contact for ways to get in touch with us and tell us how wrong we are about (laughs) our predictions. Or your own predictions, too. I'd like to read those. And we'll be back next Monday with our weekly take
0: on the latest Linux and open source news. I am at Chris LAS. I'm at Joe Ressington. Thank you for joining us. See you next week.
1: See you later.